Wow, that needs a whoo right there. That was great. Man, have a seat, everybody. Get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. Um, for a little bit. I mean, not a long time. Not a long time. Man, thank you so much. Don't give me an amen for not going to be here a long time. Let me change that message that I was going to have. Let's see. Hey, we are so glad that you are here today. Thanks so much for joining us here at East Brainerd. Uh, we are uh, excited to be able to get back together. I know that we have uh, some of our number who are, um, they are trying to see if scripture is really true. You know, it tells us in Isaiah that uh, there will be those who will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And there's a marathon going on right now in Chattanooga, and we've got some of our family who've said, you know what, I believe scripture, and I'm going to go out and I am going to run. If you would, please be in prayer for our good brothers and sisters, that they will find scripture true, and if not, at least that they will find somebody with water close beside when they decide that they are not able to continue, continue that run. Maybe that's what has brought you into town. You came in with some friends or family who are going to be uh, running in that Seven Bridges a marathon, maybe uh, something else has brought you to us. I believe we have a group of ladies who are here today from Atlanta who have been off on retreat. We're grateful for your presence here and others that are passing through to visit uh, grandchildren. We've got some college students that have come back in town for a free meal and get their clothes washed. We're glad that they are here. Hey, whatever brings you, okay, whatever brings you, we appreciate the fact that you are, that you are here and present uh, with us. Don't forget that when we wrap up things in this room, we're going to have the opportunity to kind of spread out around our campus and to enjoy a time of Bible study with one another, kind of go deeper into some different passages of scripture as we uh, learn how to better be kingdom people. And if you're new, you can look on the back of your glory, praise, and honor. That's the uh, bulletin, the handout that was given to you as you came in. And you can see the different listings of the classes that we have offered, the small group times that we have. We encourage you to be a part. You don't have to have uh, been to any of these classes before. You don't have to be a part of our church family here to go and enjoy those, but we encourage you to go and participate and, and to be a part, to, to meet others who are part of our church family. And if you have sent your children off to Kids Praise and We Worship, we ask that you please retrieve them after Bible class, right? Please do that. Uh, we enjoy your kids, but we have nothing for them to eat, okay? We have nothing for them to eat. And so we need for you to pick them up and to take them and feed them and then um, bring them back at the next appointed time, as we like to, as we like to say. Hey, and don't forget, if you guys enjoy singing like I know that you already do from being able to listen and be encouraged by you earlier, uh, we have a group that gets together on the, the third Sunday evening of, of each month, and that turns out to be today. And at 5 o'clock in our overflow room, which is, uh, if you go out the back doors here and hang a right and walk, you'll find that overflow room. And at 5 o'clock, we have a group that comes together and just enjoys uh, being able to sing praises to God. And we would love for you to come and to join and to be part of that. If you enjoy uh, especially singing uh, hymns, uh, come and be a part and uh, lift up your voice in praise. I know that Bruce Cowan would, would love to be able to see your smiling face uh, tonight. And we invite you to participate in it. Hey, we're in a series called Good News, as you can see here on the screen. Good News, it's heaven's response to our world's most urgent needs. And we've talked about how the good news is a message of unity, how it is the message that we need to hear during a time of 
of fracture and chaos that oftentimes we see taking place within our society. We've talked about how the good news, it, it, it goes beyond all types of borders, whether it be racial borders or, or borders that are put up between individuals because of different political beliefs or, or different perhaps agendas that people have. And we've seen how that the good news is the answer not just for life, but it's also the answer for death. How that the, the good news gives meaning and purpose to life. There is hope that is found in the good news of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you have um, enjoyed going through this particular study. We've got just a couple more weeks that we're going to spend on it. And we are going to camp out today with this idea. The ancient Hebrews believed that the ultimate purpose of the human life was expressed in what Jewish tradition refers to as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Jesus would affirm this greatest command when he would say, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Or as the prophet Micah put it, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus goes on and expands on this idea in a revolutionary way when he would say that the kingdom of God has come near. Affirming that the creator of the universe, that he was actively involved and at work in bringing greater wholeness and restoration to all the things that we see around us. And even more remarkable, Jesus actually believed that ordinary people can be agents of God's healing work. That's right. If you've ever looked at yourself and said, you know what? I'm just ordinary. I'm, I'm just ordinary Joe. I'm just ordinary Josephine. And God says, great. You can be a part of the healing work that I am doing in this world. Because Jesus believed that you and I can actually do something about the bad news that dominates this fallen world. And let's just be honest, we hear about bad news all the time. It's in our news feeds, it's on our newspapers, it's, it seems like it happens at work, it's at school. All around us we're hearing things that, that just disturb us, we hear things that bring us down. We're like, is there any good news in the world anymore? And the answer is yes, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the good news that is the answer for what ails this world. And you and I, as ordinary individuals, just as ordinary people, as men and women, we are agents of God's healing work. His thoughts are made evident from statements like, the kingdom of God is within you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Paul the Apostle would echo the same sentiment when he said, look, we, we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece. And he has created us brand new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. Notice that, so that we can do the good things that he planned for us so long ago. It harkens back to Genesis, back to the very beginning. The story of Adam and Eve as the creator made in, the Im in his own image, man and woman, and gave them a mandate to be good stewards of the creation. And the point seems to be that we can choose we can actually choose to live conscious of the fact that our actions matter and contribute to the larger story of God at what he is doing right now in this world. You see, just before Jesus' arrest, he prayed, Lord, this is eternal life, that they know you, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You see, the core of the Bible's message and its ultimate purpose is not about achieving and doing. And oftentimes we kind of get that picture. That religion gives us this opportunity to participate in all kinds of spiritual acts. And we think that perhaps that is the purpose. That is the purpose of following God. It's the purpose of putting our faith in Jesus Christ so that we might do and so that we might achieve. But you read from Genesis to Revelation in the core of the Bible's message about our ultimate purpose is about relationship and restoration. Because anyone, no matter what their age or location in life or color of skin or language or gender, whether rich or poor, can experience what matters most. And that is that everyone has the opportunity to live with God and participate in the restorative activity that is taking place right here and now. Now, as I was making out that slide, I was like, wow, restorative activity. Boy, that sounds, that, that sounds pretty heavy. That sounds very preachery. So let me change the way that I'm going to say this, all right? For the rest of the lesson, we're going to talk about God's restorative activity, and we're going to say it this way. Everybody has a donkey. Yeah. Uh, not, not that one. Not that one, but, but everybody has a donkey. Here, let me explain. There once was this guy, and I don't know what his name was, and I don't know what he looked like. I only know one thing. I know what he gave. He gave a donkey to Jesus on the Sunday that he entered into Jerusalem. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, as it lays out Jesus, knowing what is before him, knowing what is going to be taking place, Within the next few hours, within the next few days, he's approaching Jerusalem. And so he sends two of his disciples on ahead. And he says to them, go into the village that's ahead of you. And, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. And he will send them right away. Now, I got some questions about this. Ever read through the Bible and just have these questions that you, that you wonder when you see things that just kind of jump out and it's like, man, why is that story there? And, and what is taking place in the mind of the people who are involved? And so I ask, how did he know? How did he know it was Jesus who needed the donkey? Uh, I mean, did he have a vision or some version of ancient text message that let him know that that the Lord was coming and that the donkey should be ready. And I ask and I wonder, how hard was it to give? Was it difficult to give something to Jesus for him to use? And I ask this question because oftentimes it's hard for me. I like to keep my animals to myself, so to speak. And you know what I'm talking about because most likely there's oftentimes where you do the same. Sometimes when God wants something that I have, I act like I don't know what he needs. God, you need my time? Really? I had no idea. God, you could use my money? Mine? I mean, mine's just a little bit. And there are others who could give much more. God, you could use my career? God, you, you can use my family? God, you want to use my vacation? I wonder how hard it was to give. 
And how did it feel? How did it feel later to look out his window and to see Jesus, Jesus riding on the back of the donkey that lived in his barn? I wonder if he realized that God was riding his donkey. Did it ever cross his mind that, that later on all of the gospel writers would tell his story? You know, sometimes I get the impression that God, that God needs something, that, that perhaps I, I feel that there is a need that's around me, but I, I don't give to it. I, I don't act on it because I'm just not for sure. And then I feel guilty. Have you ever felt that way before? Maybe you're riding down the road and there's someone there on the side pulled over and you think, you know, I could stop and help that person, but I don't know exactly what their situation is. And then you start thinking in your mind, I'm really not good with cars. And, and you know, I'm sure there's somebody else better equipped that could help. And, and it could just be somebody that could end up maybe hurting me in the long run. And so we just keep on driving and then you get further down the road and you start to feel guilty about it. Or you see someone who is out in front of a restaurant when you walk out and, and you've had your fill of, of food and so much so that you've got, the, you've got the little carton there with you. You've got the little sack that has all the leftovers and, and you decide that you're going to take it home because you want to take it home because you're going to be able to have lunch the next day and you're going to be able to save money. Just, just spend one, some money on one meal and you can eat on it for days. And, and then you walk by the individuals that are outside. They're not going to be going into the restaurant. They're not going to be having that meal. And you get in the car and you go home and you're, you're putting your boxes and you're putting your bag in the refrigerator. And you think, I wonder if I missed my chance. I've felt that way before. And other times, I, I know that God has wanted something for me, but I don't give it because I'm just too selfish. I'm just too selfish. I like the things that I have. I, I like the things that I get to do. I, I like the time that I, that, that, that I make for myself. And, and oftentimes, the things that God asks of me really butt into my schedule. Right? Have you noticed this before in your life, how that you plan things out and, and you schedule where you're going to be and how you're going to get the kids from one location to another and, and what you're going to do this weekend and how you're going to spend that off time. And then all of a sudden God interrupts your life and he says, can I have that donkey? You're like, um, Lord, there's another donkey over here in this field and it's been well fed. And it's been well taken care of. And wouldn't you like to have that donkey instead? Because I just don't have time. I don't have the money. I, I, I've got all these other plans that I have made. And I'm just selfish. And then there are those times, and there are few, that I hear and I obey and I feel honored that the gift of mine was used to carry Jesus to another place. And in their times, I just wonder if my little gift will, will do anything to make a difference in the long haul. I mean, I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm five foot nothing, 200 and something. What can I do? Well, what, what is it that, that I am supposed to do within the kingdom? What is it that God can do with me that he could not do with, with somebody else? And I don't know, maybe you have questions like these as well. If you do, then hear this this morning. Each of us has a donkey. We all have a donkey. You and I each have something in our lives which if given to God could like the donkey move Jesus and his story further down the road. Maybe you can sing. Maybe you can program a computer. Maybe you can speak Spanish or write a check. 
Each of us has something that God needs and understands that whatever that is, well, that's your donkey, and your donkey belongs to God. Your donkey belongs to him. And it really does. Your gifts are his, and the man's donkey was his. The original wording of the instruction of Jesus give the proof right there in the text. The original language says, if anyone asks you why you are taking the donkey, you are to say, its Lord is in need. Jesus says, if anybody stops and goes, whoa, 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 that's my donkey. He goes, its Lord needs it. it it's not your donkey. But I know whose donkey it is. You see, the language that Jesus used was the language that would be used for a royal levy. It was an ancient law which required its citizens to render to the king an item or a service that he or one of his emissaries might request. And in making this request, Jesus is announcing, look, I have authority and I am king. I know Marco read earlier for us from Psalm 24. How that the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. And Jesus says, there are some things I need in that town. First, I need a donkey. And if anybody asks why you're taking it, just say, its Lord is in need. I wonder, could it be that God wants to ride your donkey into another city? Or another nation? Or into another heart? Do you let him? Do you give it? Do you hesitate? I wonder if the man was upset after he saw how the donkey was being used. You know, we do that sometimes with our gifts. We do that sometimes with those things that we care about when all of a sudden someone else is using them and they use them in ways that we don't necessarily appreciate or, or like. We, we oftentimes have, have words and and can you believe that I've even heard of Christians who have refused to give money, refused to give money to, um, to their congregation because they say, well, I don't like what our church is doing here. It's as if the money belongs to the church and not to God somehow, or as if the money belongs to the person in the pew. I wonder, do we hesitate? Do we refuse to give? Whether it be our money, whether it be our time, whether it be our cars, whether, whether it be whatever that someone else needs, whether it be something that's going to help carry the message further, I wonder if we look back and say, I'm only going to give if you use it the way that I think you should use it. I can imagine Jesus laughing if the man had said to that to him, oh, you have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea how your gift is going to be used. And oh, I know there are ways that you might use it differently and there are plans and expectations that you had for your donkey, but its Lord is in need. And it's the same for me. Oh, I've got plans for my own money. I've got plans for, for my future. I've got plans for, for my children. I've got plans for my marriage. I have plans for my home. I have plans for my car, I've got plans for all the different things that I think are mine. And God says, I, I need your donkey. And I might use it for something that you're not expecting. But will you give it to me? What is your donkey? Well, ask yourself this. Who are the people that are in my life 
that are important for me to care for and journey with over my lifetime. See, the question acknowledges the fact that we are not meant to live as isolated individuals. Who are the, the stockholders that are in your life? Who are the people that you do life with? Because you're going to be able to see different needs and you're going to be able to see different opportunities where God's going to stay. Awesome, this is where I can use your donkey. Right here. This is how I can use what I have blessed you with. And, and what areas do you long for greater wholeness within your own personal life? You see, each of us have wounds and strengths that... that we have to face as we begin on our journey with God. And part of that journey as a person is discovering healing and, and finding ways to navigate our weaknesses because it is impossible for me to give grace if I have never received grace. See, if you and I, if we have never received healing, then how are we going to share that with others? If we have never experienced the grace of God that says, you know what, you're free, you're forgiven, you have a new life in Christ, then how are we going to be able to talk to others who are going down the desperate roads, who are involved in activities, who are in lifestyles that are just crushing them and destroying their bodies and their souls? It's impossible to give what you've never received. And, and ask, well, where do, I, where do I feel the sense of greatest need? for justice and healing in our world. The struggles of suffering people, both locally and globally, can just be overwhelming. And you don't need to think that, you know what, you're in this alone and that you're the only one that can do something for the Lord. Each of us have been given sensitivity to a certain frequency of needs. And you know what, you guys who are sitting in the back right now, your frequency, it might be totally different from the people who are sitting in the front. And you might be tuned in to a totally different set of needs than the others are. But what is it that is breaking your heart that also breaks God's? Is it the physical needs of those who are in poverty? The emotional needs of those who are displaced, lonely, or abused? The destruction of our natural resources or, or, or something else? What is it that you understand breaks God's heart? And because of that, it breaks yours as well. And then what are your strongest talents? What are your strongest passions and skills? So that they can be used in service. You see, you've been given skills, talents, and expertise that can be leveraged for the good of the world. You don't have your blessings just so you can look in the mirror and say, man, look what I've got. Look at this family and look at this yard and, and look at this job and look what I've been able to put away in my 401k. One of our primary life tasks is to discern how to best utilize the resources that God has given to us. See, the guy who gave Jesus the donkey is just one in a long line of folks that gave little things to a big God. Little things to a big God because Scripture has quite a gallery of, of donkey givers. You stroll through its corridors and you see Rahab's rope and you walk by Paul's bucket and you see David's sling. There's Samson's jawbone. There's Mary's jar. There's the widow's mite. And each of these represents a very special category of kingdom people. It represents risk takers. Rahab who, who sheltered the spy. The brethren who smuggled out Paul. The conquerors. You've got David sling, slinging a stone. You've got Samson swinging a bone. The grace-filled. 
You have Mary at Jesus' feet. And what she gave cost so much, and yet so did the widow's temple offering. But yet both of these women knew that what God would give would cost so much more. It's an amazing group that you find in Scripture. Individuals who, when God asked, they gave. And they didn't question. They didn't argue. They didn't hem and haw. They were strong stewards who viewed that what was theirs was his. And they made it available whenever it was needed. They were loyal students who remembered who was paying the tuition. And here's another. A 19th century school teacher who led a, a Boston shoe clerk to Christ. The teacher's name you have never heard of. He was known as Mr. Kimball. The name of the shoe clerk that he converted, you probably have. His name was Dwight Moody. Moody became an evangelist and had a major influence on a young preacher by the name of Frederick B. Mayer. Mayer began to preach on a college campus, and while doing so, he converted J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became involved in the YMCA, and he arranged for a former professional baseball player named Billy Sunday to travel to Charlotte, North Carolina for revival. A group of Charlotte community leaders were so enthusiastic after the message that Sunday had presented that they decided to plan another campaign, and they brought in a gentleman by the name of Mordecai Ham to preach. And it was in that revival that a young man by the name of Billy Graham acknowledged his need for Christ. Now I wonder, did the Boston school teacher have any idea what would come of his conversation with the shoe salesman? I doubt it. I think he, like the owner of the donkey, had a chance to help Jesus journey into another heart, and so he did. And guys, today, we have the same chance. We have the same opportunity. Because God, God needs your donkey. He needs your living room to host a small group Bible study for, for our young marrieds. He needs your car to carry snack packs to the local schools. He, he needs your vacation for a trip to the Dominican Republic. He needs your time on Saturday at the community kitchen. He needs your money to help a family struggling with medical bills. He needs your lunch. He needs your lunch hour to help minister to a woman whose marriage is about to end. He needs your kitchen to prepare meals for some widows and widowers. He needs your social media account to share some good news. He needs your timeshare to relieve the stress of a husband whose workload has pushed him to the brink. He needs your rake and your weed eater and, and your chainsaw to clear out the yard of a single mom. He needs your extra bedroom. He needs your contacts list. He needs your computer, your classroom, your boat, your YouTube account, your voice, your gift. Do you get the point? God needs your donkey. And you've all got one. And he needs it. Because there's good news to share. And you and I have the opportunity to be God's agents of healing in this world. And so let me ask as we close. Is there any reason why you would not want to be part of that? Is there really a reason that you could give it says, you know what, I don't want to be a part of good news. I, I don't want to be a part of moving Jesus just further along 
down the road. I, I don't want to be a part of, of making my community, of making my city more loving and caring. I, I don't want to be a part of, of offering more forgiveness. I, I don't want to be a part of, of having more patience. I don't want to be a part of, of being loving. I, I don't want to be a part of, of having the message of Jesus echo throughout the hallways of our schools. I don't, I don't want to be a part of any of that. I suppose, I suppose like the man who had the donkey, I suppose you too have the same option. You can refuse. You can refuse. And I'm guessing that if the man had refused, if, if there had been some kind of fight, if there had been some kind of, of argument that would have taken place, that, that maybe the disciples would have just gone to the next donkey and tried to, tried to get that one. I don't know. But the text says that, that when Jesus sent the disciples, he told them, you go into town and you're going to find a donkey there. And if anyone asks why, you're taking this donkey. You say, the Lord needs it. And he will send it right away. You see, the expectation is that when the king asks, we give. The expectation is that when God says, I need what I've blessed you with, that the people of God say, here it is. Maybe you've been holding on to your donkey. Maybe you've been refusing to give to the Lord's work here. Maybe you've refused to give financially. Maybe you've refused to give time. Maybe you've refused to, to open up in your neighborhood opportunities for people to come to Christ. Maybe for whatever reason you've refused to use the gifts and blessings that God has poured out on you to touch those who are around you wanting instead to hoard it all, then can I call you this morning to repent, to turn, to see things differently, and to understand that you have been blessed to be a blessing to others and that you have an opportunity to be healing in this world. Why not join with the person that's beside you, the person behind you, the person that's in front of you, and go out this week and share your donkey because God has said, I need what you have. Why don't we stand and give him praise?